Turn with me, please, to Acts chapter 9. The title, simply this evening, is A Miraculous Conversion. Acts chapter 9, a well-known story. It's the story of Saul of Tarsus, wonderfully saved by the grace of God. Acts chapter 9. And please, when we're finished reading the Scriptures, keep your Bibles open, and we'll look at the verses as we go along this evening. Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And as seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And there he has authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. And when he had received, uh, received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. Verse 20 says, And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. And all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he which destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. Christ. We know that God will bless his word to our hearts this evening. In Acts 9, we read about a man called Saul of Tarsus, who was wonderfully saved 
as he traveled on the road to Damascus. He was not only saved by God's grace, but friends, this evening, this man's life was wonderfully transformed by the power of God. This man's life was totally changed by the power of God. And you know, it brings to mind the, the verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Saul of Tarsus was a man who hated Christians. He was a man who hated people who named the name of Jesus Christ. He was a man who had no time for Christians. All he wanted to do was to get rid of them once and for all. But Saul was changed on the road to Damascus, not only on the inside or on the outside, but he was changed on the inside as well. This man was saved by God's grace. And when the Lord saved him, he changed him completely. His attitude changed. His behavior changed. His way of life changed. His witness, his testimony, his thinking, his desires, everything about this man changed, and it changed completely for God's glory. Do you know, friends, this evening when we read about Saul's conversion in Acts 9, we also read about his conversion in a variety of other places. Saul testifies to God's grace in Acts chapter 22 when he speaks to the Jerusalem mob. He goes on ahead to testify again in Acts chapter 26 when he speaks to a man called Felix, or King Agrippa, sorry. During his conversation with King Agrippa, we're told that King Agrippa said at the end, or almost at the end of the conversation, he says, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Paul's conversation with Agrippa, his witness, his testimony, his complete change of life, his transformation was so real and so great and had such an impact on King Agrippa that he was almost persuaded but almost wasn't enough. This man was still lost in his sin. And as far as we know, he was lost forever. Paul goes on to give his testimony. I say Paul there because Saul's name was changed to Paul. I'm sure we all know that this evening. But he goes on to give his testimony in Galatians chapter 1. As he writing, writing to the church at Galatia, he goes on to testify to the grace of God in his life. What a wonderful transformation that God had done in his life. Later on, when he wrote to the church at Philippi, once again, he brings in his testimony. He tells them how he was saved on the road to Damascus. And then finally, as he's writing to a young man called Timothy, he tells Timothy about his conversion as well. Friends, this evening, this man, Saul of Tarsus, who was saved by God's grace, his name was changed to Paul. He became the great apostle Paul, as we all know of in Scripture this evening. This man loved to give his testimony. He loved to tell people of what God had done in his life. He loved to testify to the grace of God, to the wonderful working of God in his heart and in his life. 
My title this evening is very simply a miraculous conversion. And that's exactly what it was in the case of Saul of Tarsus. Here was a man who hated Christians. We'll come to it in a moment or two. He had no time for them, no interest in them. He wanted rid of them. And God stepped into his life. And God saved him. And God changed him. And God made him into someone special to live his life for God, the rest of his life, every single moment, moment of it, for God's glory. There's two things I want to do this evening. And first of all, I want to give a brief description of Saul's conversion. And then secondly, I want to give some details concerning Saul's conversion. But what a challenge this is to us this evening. Saul loved to share his testimony. He loved to tell others of what God had done in his life. What a challenge to my life this evening. What a challenge to all of our lives this evening. If you're saved by God's grace, tell me this tonight. Are you telling others of what God has done in your life? Paul was never ashamed of the gospel. Never ashamed of the gospel. He tells us in Romans, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. He was never ashamed of taking his stand for Jesus Christ. Never ashamed to witness for Christ. Never ashamed to suffer for Christ. Never ashamed to do anything for Christ. His life was saved as Complete life, his life was completely changed, and it was changed for the glory of God. Let's give a brief description of Saul's conversion this evening. First of all, look at Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Friends, this evening Saul's conversion was unexpected. If, any, if you were to, had lived in those days and when Saul was around before he got saved, if anyone had asked you, do you think this man will ever put his trust in Christ? Do you think this man will ever get saved? I don't think your hand would have went up. Saul was probably one of the least people in all the community or the countries at that time that people would ever have thought would have been saved by the grace of God. Here was a man who hated Christians. Here was a man who had put Christians in prison. Here was a man who had beat, been involved in beating Christians and torturing them. Turn back to Acts chapter 7 for a moment. Acts chapter 7 and look at verse 58. Here we see the stoning of Stephen. A man who took his stand for God once again. A man who had lived his life for God. Here we see him being stoned to death in Acts chapter 7. Verse 58 says, And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And verse 60 says... Uh, or verse 58, sorry, and cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. 
Here we see Stephen being stoned to death. And Saul's there. Saul witnessed the stoning of Stephen. If he was involved in the stoning of Stephen, he may well have been, we don't know, but he was there. They laid their clothes down at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. It was Saul of Tarsus. Here was a man who absolutely detested Christians. Anybody who talked about Jesus Christ, anybody who followed Jesus Christ, anybody who mentioned Jesus Christ, he hated them. And he wanted rid of them. And here in Acts chapter 9, Saul has got letters from the high priest that he could go to a little place called Damascus. And any who were found following Christ there or sharing the gospel of Christ with others, he could bind them, he could torture them, he could bring them back to Jerusalem, and he could cast them into prison. He had got authority. It was all in the palm of his hands, and he was on the road to Damascus for that very intent to get these people, men or women, young people, didn't matter who they were. He wanted to get them, he wanted to beat them, he wanted to bring them back, and he wanted to get rid of them, throw them into prison, and be gone with them once and for all. Do you know, friends, Saul was an enemy of the church. He persecuted the church of Jesus Christ. This man thought that Jesus Christ was an imposter. Saul was a religious man. Very religious. We'll come to that in a moment or two. Very religious man, but he thought Jesus Christ was an imposter. Never in this world did he think that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He just didn't believe it, full stop. Saul's conversion was unexpected. I'm going to pause for a moment or two this evening. I'm going to ask you a very simple question. Do you ever think to yourself as you look at others, that person will never get saved? Although it would be an absolute miracle if that person got saved. Maybe it's someone on the television. Maybe it's someone somewhere else. Maybe it's someone in the past who's been steeped in absolute trouble and so on. And you point to them and you say to yourself, that, that person will never get saved. It would be an absolute miracle if that person gets saved. You ever think like that or have you ever thought like that? I'm going to say something here tonight. Isn't every conversion a miracle, isn't it? Every conversion, anybody, doesn't matter whether it's a young person, a little boy or a little girl, a mother or father, a husband or wife, a granny or granda, doesn't matter who it is. Every single conversion, everyone saved, is a wonderful miracle of the grace of God, isn't it? It's God stepping into a sinful life. It's God saving that little that soul. It's God changing that person completely. It's a wonderful work of God. But Saul's conversion was unexpected, wasn't it? Secondly, friends, Saul, Saul's conversion was very dramatic. Look at verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. He fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Let's pause for a moment here. 
Saul was on the road to Damascus. He had men with him, soldiers with him, to get these so-called Christians, to bind them, to bring them back to Jerusalem, and so on. But on the road to Damascus, as he was going to do these things, all of a sudden something happened. Verse, four, or verse 3 says, Suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Saul's conversion was very dramatic. The light shone from heaven. Saul fell to the earth. He fell on his knees. He couldn't look up too long. As soon as he had seen the light, he fell to the earth. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul, Saul, why are you doing these things? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord says, I am Jesus. I'm the very one you're persecuting. I'm the one you're doing these things to. You know, friends, this evening, Saul on the road to Damascus, came under conviction of sin. Look at verse 4. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? That very moment Saul seen the light. That very moment Saul fell to the earth. I believe with all my heart Saul was being brought under conviction of sin. Not only was he being brought under conviction of sin, but in verse 5 we read, And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord says, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. In that verse there, Saul not only came under conviction of sin, but Saul came to realize who Jesus was and what Jesus had done. Friends, Saul of Tarsus knew the gospel. I have absolutely no doubts about that. When Before Stephen was stoned, he preached the gospel. Saul was going to get these Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem because he didn't like the gospel that they were preaching. Saul had heard that Jesus Christ had died on the cross at Calvary. Saul had heard that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. Saul had heard that Jesus Christ had ascended into heaven. Saul had heard that Jesus Christ was seated at God's right hand. Saul had heard that Jesus Christ was one day coming again. He had heard all these things, but he didn't believe them. He had heard them in his head. He had taken them right into his heart. He didn't agree with them. He didn't believe them, but he knew the gospel as clear as you and I know the gospel this evening. The people in those days, just as today, they were telling others that there were sinners who needed to be saved. And Saul was told that he was a sinner, just like everybody else who needed to be saved. And here we have, friends, Saul's conversion was very dramatic. The light that shone from heaven brought him to his knees. And while he was on his knees, God brought him under conviction of sin. And God brought him to realize that the one that he had heard about who didn't agree with him, he didn't believe. It was real. It was true. The Lord Jesus said in verse 5, I am Jesus. I am the one you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. 
You know, friends, as Saul was on his knees that day on the road to Damascus, he realized who Jesus was. And he realized what Jesus had truly done. He realized that the message of the gospel that he had heard, it was true, it was real. That Jesus Christ was the Son of God and is the Son of God. And that Jesus Christ, God's Son, had went to the cross and died on the cross for sinners just like him. And that Jesus Christ had risen again and he had ascended into heaven. Saul had heard it, but he didn't believe it. But here in the road to Damascus, he believed it with all of his heart. He said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am the one you're persecuting. Oh, friends, this evening, Saul came under conviction of sin. Saul came to realize who Jesus was and what Jesus had done. Look at verse 6. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That very moment in verse 6, when he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, believe with all my heart, that very moment Saul of Tarsus was saved by God's grace. Oh, he was brought under conviction in verse 4. He came to realize who Jesus was and what he had done in verse 5. And he came to faith in Christ in verse 6. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Here, friends, Saul's conversion was very dramatic. This leads us on to Saul's conversion was a little bit different from other conversions. Look at verses 3 and 4. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. He fell to the earth. He heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Then look at verse 7. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. You know, friends, this evening Saul was brought to his knees with the blinding glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brought to his knees on the road to Damascus with the blinding glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 17. You might be saying, but how do we know it was the presence or it was the glory of Christ? Look at verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest. It was Christ who met him on the road to Damascus. It was from Christ that the light shone. Glory of Christ took him to his knees. It was Christ who was speaking to him. Not only took him to his knees, but the, cry, the voice of the Lord Jesus spoke to his very soul. You know, friends, this evening it was the Lord who brought him to his knees. It was the Lord who spoke unto his life. And verse 7 tells us, The men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Some people have asked the question, how do we know that it was Jesus who was speaking to him? Well, verses 4 and 5 tell us. But how do we know it was a verbal conversation? How do we know that it was, you know, verbal? Everybody could hear it. Look at verse 7. The men which journeyed with him, they heard the voice. And yet they didn't see any man. Friends, tonight Saul's conversion was very dramatic, wasn't it? 
Saul's conversion was certainly unexpected, and Saul's conversion was that little bit different from other conversions. Can I pause here for the moment or two? Every one of us this evening who's saved by the grace of God will have seen Christ, not physically, but we've seen him with the eye of faith, haven't we? In Isaiah 53 and verse 5, here's what we read. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Everyone saved by the grace of God has seen Christ with the eye of faith. What is faith? Faith is just believing, isn't it? Isaiah talks about Christ wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, how he took the punishment for our sins upon himself. And we've seen Christ in Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6, haven't we? We've seen Christ risen from the dead. We've seen the empty tomb by the eye of faith, haven't we? We've seen Christ ascended on high with the eye of faith. We've seen Christ seated at God's right hand with the eye of faith. And every single one of us here tonight, saved by the grace of God, we know that one day is coming again. Believe it with all of our hearts. One day we'll see him not with the eye of faith. We'll see him face to face. And we'll be with him. And we'll be like him for all of eternity. Friends, this evening, Saul's conversion was unexpected. Nobody ever expected Saul of Tarsus to get saved. Saul of Tarsus, or Saul's conversion, was very dramatic. The light shining from heaven, the voice being heard from heaven. And Saul's conversion was that little bit different from other conversions, wasn't it? It was God who spoke into his life. It was God who spoke into his heart. It was God who brought him under conviction of sin. It was God who brought him to faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, we've seen the description, or a little description of Saul's conversion. I want just for a few moments to give us some details concerning Saul's conversion. First of all, the sovereignty of God began it. Look at verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. It was the light from heaven, wasn't it? It was the glory of Christ, the brightness of the glory of Christ that brought Saul of Tarshish to his knees. What happened on the road to Damascus was a wonderful work of the sovereign grace of God. It was a miracle. It was God who stopped him on his tracks. Saul was heading for Damascus. Saul had the intentions to get the Christians to bind them, to torture them, to bring them back to Jerusalem, to get them into prison, and then to forget all about them, get rid of them once and for all was his attitude. But God stopped him on his tracks. And God brought him to his knees, and God opened his heart to receive the word of God, to receive the truth of God's word, and to receive Christ. And God was God who brought him to faith in Jesus Christ. 
when Paul was writing to the church at Philippi, turn over to, just for one moment, please, Philippians chapter 1. When Saul, or Saul, his name was changed to Paul, when he was writing to the church at Philippi, here's what he says. First of all, he started, he thanked God for the people in Philippi. And then he went on to encourage them, to tell them that he was praying for them day and daily. That's the church at Philippi. And he told them very much that he enjoyed their fellowship in the gospel time after time after time. And then in verse 6, look what he says. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Friends, this evening, it was God who began the good work in Saul of Tarshish. It was God who brought him to his knees. We've said it earlier. It was God who opened his heart to receive the gospel. It was God who opened his eyes to realize who Jesus was. It was God who did the work of grace in his life. The sovereignty of God began it. Secondly, friends, the grace of God bestowed it. Saul's conversion had nothing to do with his own righteousness, nothing to do with the religion that he was involved in, nothing to do with his way of life at all. Turn again to Philippians chapter 3, please. Philippians chapter 3. When Paul was writing to the church at Philippi, he goes on to talk about his former life before he became a Christian. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 to 6, Here's what he says, Though I might also have confidence the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath or whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrew, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Let's put that in today's language. As far as the law was concerned, Saul was blameless. There wasn't one person in Jerusalem or any of the regions round about Jerusalem could have pointed the finger at Saul and said, you're wrong in that way, or you're wrong in this way, or you're wrong in some other way, that you've broken the law here, you've done something wrong there. Not one could point the finger at him. This man's life was exemplary. This man's life was incredible. He was a religious man, and he was a law-keeping man. This man was, he was upright. He was law-abiding. He was, he was just a good, moral man. There's nobody could have pointed the, the finger at Paul and accused him of anything. As far as the law was concerned, Scripture says he was blameless. Absolutely blameless. But you know, friends, this evening, his own righteousness or his own upright moral standing and so on, it never brought him to faith in Christ, did it? No, it didn't. Bible says this evening, friends, that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the eyes of God. 
Doesn't matter how good a person you are. Doesn't matter how law-abiding person you are. Doesn't matter how upright a person you are. It doesn't matter how moral a person you are. All our righteousnesses, all our goodness, they're like filthy rags in the eyes of God. Paul, writing to the Ephesian church in chapter 2 and verse 8, he explains there how we're saved. In Ephesians 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's absolutely nothing to do with you, says Paul. Nothing to do with you. He says, by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Friends, this evening, some details concerning Saul's conversion. I'm almost finished. First of all, the sovereignty of God began it. Secondly, the grace of God bestowed it. I'm going to pause for a moment and ask you a simple question. Are you saved tonight? Here in the church building, boy or girl, young person, adult this evening, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Saul didn't until he met Christ on the road to Damascus. Saul hated Christians, and he hated the name of Jesus Christ until he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. Do you realize that God loves you this evening? I'm sure you've heard it many, many times. Do you realize that Christ has died for you this evening on Calvary's cross? Do you realize that he has taken your place, the sinner's place? Do you realize that he has shed his precious blood for your salvation? If you realize it, well, why don't you come and put your trust in him? Is there someone here tonight? Is there someone listening online? And still you're outside of Christ. Still you're not saved. Still you're on the road that leads to a lost eternity. Why not change tonight? Why not allow, allow the grace of God to come into your life? And allow God to do a work in your life for his glory and for your soul's salvation. Sovereignty of God began it. The grace of God bestowed it. And to live for the glory of God was the purpose in it. In Acts 9, look at verses 15 and 16. Ananias has told the Lord, he said, Lord, I've heard many people, uh, you know, this man has done lots of thing, harmful things to, to your children. Lord, I've heard of from many people, he's done terrible things. Look at the Lord says to Ananias in verse 15. The Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. To live for the glory of God was the purpose in it. Friends, this evening I'm almost finished. On the road to Damascus, Saul realized he was a sinner. Is there someone here tonight and you're not saved? Do you realize you're a sinner this evening? Someone listening online, you're not saved. Do you realize you're a sinner this evening? A sinner who needs the grace of God in your life. On the road to Damascus, Saul believed that Jesus had died for him. On the road to Damascus, Saul trusted Jesus Christ 
as his Savior. On the road to Damascus, Saul yielded his life completely over to Jesus Christ. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? He'd been saved instantly by the grace of God. And he had handed his life and everything about him over to Jesus Christ. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And just a few days later, it was revealed to him through Ananias what the Lord wanted him to do. And it was all to live for the glory of God. That was the purpose of Saul being saved. God had a work for Saul to do. God changed his name to Paul and his life and everything in his life for the rest of his life was lived for the glory of God. He was under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Friends, this evening, I want to ask you another question. How's your Christian life this evening? Is your life being lived for the glory of God? To live for the glory of God was the purpose in Saul getting saved. You know, friends, to live for the glory of God is the purpose of every one of us being saved by the grace of God. We've been bought a tremendous cost this evening. It cost Christ his life. It cost Christ his blood. What are we going to give back to Jesus Christ this evening? You know, Saul at the end of his life, or Paul at the end of his life, was able to say, I have fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've run the race. What was he saying? He was saying he's done his best for God. Done his best for God. Are you doing your best for God this evening? In your home? As a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a father, as a granny, as a granda, are you living your life for Christ? Does your family see Christ in your life? What a challenge to our lives this evening. Paul says, I've run the race, I've finished the course, I've kept the faith. Henceforth there's led up for me a crown of righteousness. And so it goes on. Because he had lived his life for Jesus Christ. And throughout Paul's life, from the moment he had got saved, was attitude and his desire was this, for me to live as Christ, to die as game. For me to live as Jesus Christ. That was Paul's attitude. That was Paul's desire. That was everything in Paul's life. Christ was everything. He meant so much to him. Friends, this evening, a miraculous conversion. Someone who hated Christians, who hated the name of Jesus Christ. He was stopped in his tracks on the road to Damascus. A miraculous conversion. Saul was saved. Saul's life was changed. It was transformed. From that very moment onwards, his life was lived for the glory of God. What a challenge to our lives this evening. Believers, are our lives being lived for the glory of God? It's a challenge to my life. And it should be to each and every one of us tonight. And if you're here and you're outside of Christ, you've never trusted Christ, what's holding you back? 
We're going to sing our closing hymn. And here's are the words, I must, need go, I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall ne'er get sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. Friends, tonight if you're not saved, there's only one way. You either come God's way or you'll never come at all. Let's rise and sing our closing hymn.